always do with a, a story from when I was younger. When I was in K-4, there was something that was very important to me. Uh, and that was, uh, that was nap time. And uh, it, I'll be honest, it, it was not important to me initially. And, all, and really, nap time never has been an important time for me. I've never really been one to take naps. Uh, I just don't do it. Um, I'd rather be awake. I don't know. Uh, but when I was in K-4, this was a big deal. There is a reason that, uh, that this was And that was all because of, uh, I will call him the bear. Because of this, this bear. This bear, this, this bear that was a part of our K-4 classroom, um, was it was a prize for the person or child that was the best napper. The person that managed to take the best nap. Um, and whoever it was that, that won that uh, was selected by the teacher as the best napper. Then the next day, that person got to hold on to that bear and even have it with them and nap with it during nap time. So, it was kind of a big deal in K-4. Uh, and uh, I don't know what it was about me or about the way that I napped. I mean, I always took naps and I, I at least went to sleep. But apparently I wasn't really good at it because I never won. I was never the person that was selected to be the winner of this best napper, here is this bear award. So, being the, I guess, the clever K-4 four-year-old child that I was, I had a plan. And so this was my plan. When it was time for, for nap time for this particular day, I was going to not go to sleep, but yet pretend that I was asleep and do it so well that I would definitely be the best napper of them all. And so that's exactly what I did. So it was time for, it was nap time, and everybody was going to sleep. And of course, I don't know if you guys know those, those blue and red mats. They're all folded up, and you unfold them, and you lay on those. That's what we had. So everybody laid those out. And we turn off all the lights. And, and so at that point, I am sound asleep. I am just totally asleep. And, uh, you know doing an excellent job of it. Um, time passes really slowly when you're just pretending to be asleep. But finally that time is over and this is really when I know that alright, I'm gonna this is really when the show begins. When I'm gonna make sure that I win this this bear. So the lights come back on and all the kids start to get up and of course I can hear everybody and it's like, alright, I'm not waking up yet. And I have friends that they've woken up and they said, oh, Connor's not, you know, Connor's not awake yet. So they'd be like, Connor, you know, wake up. Nope, I'm not waking up yet because I know that I need that teacher to see me if I'm going to win this. So I stay asleep and I'm still, I'll just, I'm so heavily asleep. So I sleep through all of the, the, the cries and the, and the pleas of my friends to wake up. And finally, I hear the teacher walk over, and I hear him lean down and say, Hey, Connor, you know, it's time to, time to wake up. Everybody else is awake. And I go, All right, that's, that's good enough for me. So then I, you know, pretend that I'm waking up. Oh, wow, you know, I've been so fast asleep. Sorry. And so I finally go through that. 
And sure enough, that was the day that I won that bear. And I, and I did it. And I finally got to receive that bear, the K4 napping bear, or whatever you want to call it. What we're going to talk about this morning, this will come up, is this? You go back about maybe four or five. There we go. All right, what we're talking about this morning uh, is this idea of being awakened to commitment. Uh, and what I mean by that, and kind of the, uh, the whole idea that I want you guys to understand from, uh, from this message is that we can't achieve the victory that is set before us if we are spiritually asleep. We're not going to be able to, to do what God wants of us if we decide to live spiritually apathetic lives. If we're living without having, uh, having this idea of what God wants from us, we're not going to be able to do the things. So that's what we're talking about. This idea of being awakened, of being awake to our commitments in our life. So that being said, I want you to take a second and I want you to think about, uh, think about your commitments in your life. And everybody here has completely different commitments. Uh, maybe for some of you it is your job. Maybe you, you feel like you're very committed to your work. Uh, maybe it is, uh, for our young ones, it's, it's school or it's a particular hobby or a certain sport or something that, that you are just very invested and involved in. Maybe it's your family. Maybe your family life is something that you are very invested and very, very committed to. I want you to think about those commitments in your life. What do you devote your time to? What do you work hard for? Now, I have a question about that commitment, about that specific commitment. What would it take for you to break that commitment? How, how far, would, how extreme would these uh, conditions be before you find that you know, committed to this, but... That's a little bit too much for me, and so I'm going to kind of back away at this point. Uh, what, what would it take in your life for those commitments in your life to be broken? For you to say, I'm no longer as committed to this as I was, or, you know, that's just too much for me. What would it take for you to break your commitment? Chances are, if you are very committed to something, it's going to take a lot. There's going to be a lot of things that, that are going to be needed to get in your way before you finally make that decision to, to break or to cut ties with, with these commitments. We're going to come back to this idea in a little bit, but for now I want you to turn to Job chapter 1. Job chapter 1. Job is one of our, uh, in our last leaders program, is one of the Bible Bowl uh, books that we are reading through. And in fact, we are currently right in the, close to the beginning, but right in the middle of our study of Job. Uh, we're learning a lot about uh, all the things that, that he's going through. And I feel like this is a, a perfect example of what we're talking about this morning. Now, we're going to start at the very beginning. We're going to start by talking about and learning about who Job is. Uh, a story about this man that is living in us. Job chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 1. Beginning in verse 1. It says, There was a man in the land of us whose name was Job. That man was blameless and upright, 
feared God and turned away from evil. They were born to him seven sons and three daughters. He possessed 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 female donkeys, and very many servants, so that this man was the greatest of all people of the East. So here we see a couple of things about Job right off the bat. One of the very important things that we learned about who Job was was his character. We learned that he was a man who lived right. He was a man that fled from evil, stayed away from evil, and he was also a man that feared the Lord. We see that this guy was living the way that God wanted him to. And so we learn that about who Job was, and then right after that, we see in the next uh, couple of verses, we also see that uh, he was very blessed in his life. He had a lot of stuff. He had uh, 7,000 of one thing, a few thousand of another, you know, tons of servants, he had 10 children. He has a lot of stuff to his name. And in fact, if you look at the end of verse 3, we even see that this man was considered the greatest of all the people in the East. Job had a lot to his name, and he was also a great man who feared the Lord. Now, as we keep reading, uh, if you start in verse 13 and read through, you can see that it doesn't take long for things to go terribly for Job. It does not take long before this whole story kind of turns itself around and starts to look bad for him. Of course, before this, we see that, uh, that Satan approaches God and talking to him about Job. He says, this man is, uh, you know, he's living for you, but he's so blessed. And I know that if I do these things, he's going to back on you. And if you look through, beginning with verse 13, you see, uh, you see all these people, uh, these messengers come to him and basically tell him that all these he once had are gone. Are gone. Are gone. Oxen, donkeys, even his, even his children, all taken from him. But it doesn't stop there. Uh, we look even further into chapter 2. We see that a few more things take place. Uh, Satan, of course, approaches God again and says, All right, what else can I do to him? And, uh, and so at this point, Satan then decides to, to mess with his health. Of course, he can't, he can't kill him. Uh, he does everything he can before that. Beginning in verse 7 of chapter 2, Satan and struck Job with loathsome sores from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. And I want to skip down to verse 9. It says, Then his wife said to him, Do you still hold fast curse God, and die? I think that in this point, usually we say, you know, another bad thing happened. I think here, two really bad things happen. Here we see that leaves him. We see that he is covered in head to toe with these sores. And in fact, a little bit later when his friends come to see him, they don't even recognize him because he's covered in these sores. But we also see another pretty terrible thing happen. We see that at this point his wife basically the Lord. His wife kind of turned her back on God already. I want to uh, 
uh, do something kind of interesting with this story of Job. I want to uh, kind of retell it almost in a, a modern day setting. I want to take what's happened to Job and, and kind of make it to where if that were to happen today, this is my this is my best uh, get my best guess as to what it would sound like. So I want you to think of just a very strong, God-fearing family, uh, a family that is very church-going, and they have tons of kids. And, uh, they're, they're well off. They're they're always. They're always at the church building, and they're always engaged in everything that's going on. And, and when you look at them, when you look at this family, you always say, this person, these people, this family is living for God. And there's no doubt about that. And so you have this family, and they're, uh, they, the, the husband and the wife, they just run some errands. They leave their, their kids at the house. Some of them are old enough to, to watch the others. There and uh, run some errands. There, they were taking care of these errands, and uh, husband gets a phone call. And the first phone call, uh, it is, and he lets him know that, that his accounts have been cleared out. They are completely. They don't know how. They don't know why. But there's nothing. He now has no his name. It's all gone. And. Phone call. And apparently, uh, their house fire. Everything, belongings, is gone. And point. And he's a phone call. This is no longer her God. And that she has no idea why he would do why he would do something like this to their family. And she did not When you hear this whole idea it really kind of sounds like it's really it is. You see that Job loses everything. And as we continue to keep reading through that he more higher week and, and he also listens to some friends that have just bad advice and they're talking to him and, and we see that Job he loses everything but although he doesn't lose his uh, Job loses everything Job teaches us we can take and use in our lives the importance of our commitment to our lives. It's this commitment that we have to our God and how it needs to be. A minute ago I told you 
challenge you to, to think back to those things, uh, to think about those things that, that are commitments in your life. that we place on those. And I think that every commitment that we have that is this world have its limitations to, to some extent. How far we will go before we give up. And I think a lot of times we decide to place those limitations on our relationship with our God. We decide that we want to go further than that might be far. And if we go back at his life and everything that he lost, we see that Job could have easily said, you know, this is not what I signed up for. I didn't choose to be a God-fearing person so I could lose all the things that I've been blessed with. Uh, he could have said that, you know, he could have realized that being a God-fearing person is not easy. Not the direction that I want to go in. He could have easily made any of these decisions. He could have done what he was wanting him to do all along. He could have done what his wife was telling him to do at this point. But he did. Everything, but he did not lose his commitment to his God. And just as Job made that decision in his life, we have to make the same choice. We have to look at our lives and, and make the same decision just like Job did. We can look at our lives and, and it could be a, a difficult time for us and we can easily just decide to say, this isn't what I signed up for. Being a Christian is a and you know, it's going past what I'm committed to, what my commitments are. And we add He placed boundaries between us and him. We see that he was a man. Trying to understand what was uh, What is 
that's what exactly why he understands that God is the one with the power. Patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. For the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it, re- uh, until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Now listen to, to this verse right here, verse 11. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Here we see Job defined by a word. We see him, uh, we see it as the steadfastness of Job. The steadfastness of Job. Look at this word steadfast. There are a lot of uh, there are a lot of synonyms to this word. One of those being this idea of being unshakable, and I love that term. The other term is the idea of being committed. Being steadfast, the the uh, the steadfastness of Job, the the committed life of Job. Job is this perfect example of being committed without conditions, without limits to our God. We look back at this this illustration that, that, I, that I gave you guys earlier, this modern day idea of, uh, of what would take place with Job. This is really, again, kind of a worst case scenario. If our lives were to just completely go downhill, probably what would happen. And maybe we we won't end up uh, kind of in that direction. Uh, chances of us, you know, on the same day, an empty bank account, and at the same day losing our family, losing our health, all at one time, it's not likely. But maybe some of these things have happened to you. Not all of them. I hope not all of them. Not at once. Maybe some of these things you feel like you are facing one of these things. Whether it's family, whether it's financial problems, I don't know, whether it's health problems are. Step over that line. Be faithful to us. end up with nothing in this life. We have nothing. 
in this life, we still owe Him everything. Even if we have absolutely nothing to obtain, we owe Him of our Look at it. We've already been given more than we deserve. God came and lived for us and died for us. He gave us a hope. He gave us a chance to live forever with Him, with our God, with our Creator. And even if we have nothing here, because we have that hope. We wouldn't have a chance to be. Back in have that bear, and the next day was awesome. I didn't know because I was there with me. And uh, the next day, for the next day, do that. There's much. Once I achieved that, I had, I had curious days later to just start napping again. I See, we live begins with waking up. If you, if you are sharing your day with somebody and, and somebody says, you know, oh, what all did you do today? How's your day been? Tell me about your day. You always start off by saying, well, I woke up and it, no matter what, you're going to say it on accident or on purpose. I, I don't know. But you're going to say it. It always happens. It always begins by us waking up. And yes, always every morning, uh, we are here. So we have woken up physically. But we also have to choose to begin every day by waking up spiritually. Every day we, we have a choice. Every day when we wake up, Physically, we can choose to also wake up spiritually. Uh, we can choose to to follow our Creator unconditionally. We can choose to follow our Creator without placing those limits on our commitments and saying, no matter what happens during this day, no matter what difficulties I face, I'm going to keep going and I'm going to keep staying spiritually awake. And so we can choose to do that, or when we wake up physically, we can choose to stay spiritually asleep. To fall back into the, the habits and the desires and the temptations that we face. To allow those things to overtake our commitments. We can choose to just go through the motions of the We have a choice every day when we Just a couple questions. First off, what did you choose today? Oh God, who you were going to be with, uh, with the church. You were going to gather these people to be awake. And as you go out today, you're going to be Live without limits for your God. My second question.
question for you. What will you choose tomorrow? And what will you choose the day after that? And what will you choose the day after that? How many days are you going to continue to go before you decide that maybe there's, it's okay if there's a few limitations to your faith, to your decision to follow your God, to follow Christ? We have to We need to be awakened to our commitment. We have to have an unconditional commitment to our God, to our faith, and to Jesus. Maybe you're here this morning and, and you feel like spiritually you've been asleep. Maybe you feel like it's time for you to, to wake up spiritually and, and, and you need help with that. You need encouragement. You need prayers for that. Maybe you feel like you have not yet made the ultimate commitment that you need to be baptized and become a part of Christ's church. Whatever it might be, we invite you to come forward now as we stand and as we sing.